Ladies and gentlemen. Ali, a sneaky right hand. Another sneaky right hand. This time he works over the shoulder for me. today got a little bit of everything that we're giving to you today of course it is nfl free agency the day all the moves are taking place so we'll talk about what's happening in the nfl with that aaron Rodgers has decided he's gonna play however it's not really his decision where he's gonna play it's the green bay packers they got they hold all the cards right now but rogers decided that yes he wants to play with the jets though that decision finally been made after Many uh, days of darkness, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we've got that. Our two quarterbacks are going to join us today. Not one, but two. The quarterback Jay Schrader, the quarterback Steve Berline. So we'll have both of those guys on today with their thoughts about NFL free agency. Of course, March Madness upon us. The opening round games uh, taking place last night, and then two more games tonight, and then the real deal all starts tomorrow, and we can hardly wait for that. Yes, the field uh, of uh, sixty-eight. Complete down to 64, ready to roll with that. And, of course, we will be at the Westgate Las Vegas, our Friday home. But tomorrow, of course, it's the beginning of the tournament. So we'll be at the Westgate Las Vegas inside the world-famous Superbook tomorrow for that. So uh, make sure that you come on out and join us there, as well as getting your tickets for Hoop Central which is inside the International Theater there at the Westgate. Uh, tickets, $40 at Ticketmaster.com. You can see all the games and the uh, luxury and the comfort of the International Theater, the 4K video wall, the betting stations, food, beverage, everything, and that'll be happening in the next uh, three days for that. So get on out there. And, of course, our Friday home uh, is always there at the Westgate, so extended to Thursday and Friday this week. All right, so... Paul Buck Power Stewart is going to join us a little bit later on uh, across the pond from England. Uh, he's been covering the WBC 
Yes, Great Britain has a team, not that WBC, but the World Baseball Classic. All right, our next guest, he looked at me like, WBC, where's my belt? We'll get into that here in a minute. So Paul Buck, Power Stewart today, Steve Berline, uh, Jay Schrader, uh, it's nonstop for you here today. But we're going to start today, and of course, with our our boxing open, uh, just a perfect segue to bring in uh, my good friend, a uh, good friend of the program, too. He's been with us uh, so many times. And uh, I got a chance to see Creed three last night. And as you know, I've been wanting to see this uh, since it came out. But with the schedule and everything, it was tough. So I finally found that window last night where I could go see it because I had to go see my guy, Stitch Duran, who was in the corner wearing the whites. He was in Adonis Creed's corner once again. And uh, Stitch Duran, the legendary cut man and trainer, whether it's boxing, MMA, and of course, many appearances on the big screen, as we know, basically been in several of the Rocky and Creed movies, all three Creed movies, and of course, Rocky Balboa as well. But uh, Las Vegas is very own, as I like to say, even though he's a NorCal guy like me originally. <laughs> Stitch Duran, what is up, brother? Hey, man, what a presentation, but I'm so <laughs> proud of you, TC. I remember the days when you had a hard time getting Tony Lopez and Ray Lovato on your radio show. Oh man! <laughs> now you got all these superstars ouch, on it. Ouch. No, no, that's that's a compliment, brother. But uh, thanks for having me on, man. It's always good, you know, when you called and you talked that you saw Creed three. Yeah. You know, I, I told you there's a, you know, it's great moments for me. It's mm-hmm. just great opportunities. But you know, a, a lot of things happen behind the scenes that got uh, mm-hmm. to where this movie is right now, and it's a blockbuster movie. Yeah, yeah, my man Stitch Duran, always great to to have you, man, uh, on the show. Been doing this a long time with you, and I, and again, it seems like we're we're always talking about, oh, you know, what what do you got coming up? This movie, that movie, and then so I know you've been you know talking a lot about this one. Uh, you know, Kenny Bayless as well in yeah. the movie. Our good friend Al Bernstein. So uh, for me, it was. Uh, it was great. Tony Weeks as well, too. I'm going, those are my guys. Here, here, here we go again, you know. So uh, fantastic. So much I want to hit on with you today, though, man. And I guess, you know, first and foremost, uh, you know, you were in many scenes uh, of Creed Three. Talk a little bit about just the experience and the production. And what was your length of time that you were, you know, on the set for this? Yeah, it's good questions that, uh, yeah, this is my third one, you know, as you said, yeah. but, you know, going back into, um, the second one, I'm wrapping Michael B. Jordan's hands. I just spent every day, six weeks at a time working with him, wrapping his hands and, you know, kind of putting him in the mentality of a fighter. And I'm telling him how proud I am of him and Ryan Coogler, who wrote and directed uh, Creed and also directed uh, uh, Black Panther and uh, Tessa Thompson and then Steve Kappel, the director for Creed 2. He looks at me, TC, TC, and says, Stitch, I'm directing Creed 3, and you're with me as long as you want. Oh, you, know? you got to so, love that. Yeah, yeah, so it's good. you know. Yeah. And, and now they're filming a documentary on my life based on my book, From the Fields to the Garden, right? Mm-hmm. So they interviewed Michael, and they kind of sent me a little clip. But, yeah, Michael mentioned it on the interview for the documentary that I'm one of the pillars of Creed. You so, are. You are. Yeah, but I help them. You know, they, Michael understands we have a great relationship. And, you know, I told Ryan Coogler in the first one that if I see something that uh, is not ideal, I'm going to bring it up to you because you're representing our sport. And he says, please do. You know, So <laughs> I'm an advisor without paperwork on it. Right. But I'm glad to give it back. Yeah. So, you know, for me... I always talk about this. I'm a big critic when it comes to sports movies. Uh, it doesn't matter what sport it is, but you know, especially boxing too. So when you, and I know you're the same way, how do you feel that they did this as, as far as, 
getting the fight scenes and everything else that, that is around that sport, do you think that they nailed it? 100%. Yeah. You know, I told Michael what I said. Because as we know, you've been in movies where, yes. you know, that maybe they didn't nail it, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, exactly. You know, Michael would literally stop and they would ask me, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Same thing with, you know, uh, Tony Weeks, the refs and, mm-hmm. and everybody. They, they wanted the authenticity. And, and of course, you know, we gave it to them. But, you know, I, I asked Michael, I said, Michael, when you're doing your fight scenes, are you thinking as an actor or as a director? And he says both. And, uh, but, you know, he put this program together, the whole team just put this program together in production. But I told him right from the get go, I said, man, what you guys are doing, these are the best fight scenes I've seen. And before I knew it was IMAX, right? Yeah. And, uh, but I also told him, TC, I said, you know, Michael, and like I say, every day I wrap his hands. So we, we talk, you know, friend to friend, uh, you know, and I told him, I said, Michael, this is the first major Hollywood movie where you're literally highlighting Mexican fighters. So True. you had Jose yeah. Benavides as Felix and, right. and then you had a, a cameo with, uh, Canelo, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, it's, they, they understand the game and they want to maximize it. You know, Michael even asked me one time, uh, Stitch, who should give away the WBC belt? That's why you, you know, my ears right. picked up <laughs> right. and you brought up WBC, you know. Right. So I, pre- I, I mentioned to him that Jose Suleiman right. created it, the most prestigious belt. He mm-hmm. passed away. His son Mauricio mm-hmm. is, is, uh, now the president. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it should be given away by a Mexican representative, right? Well, we're in Atlanta, bro. We're six weeks in Atlanta, mm-hmm. two weeks in LA, but in Atlanta, we had the extras and, and there's 53% black. The rest are pretty much white. Mm-hmm. And I see one guy on the other side of the ring as extras that was Latino, Mexican, about my age. So I went and talked to him and all that. And I said, see that guy over there? Pick him. So he's <laughs> the one, you know, just to make it authentic. Right? Yeah, of course. And uh, so when I when Earl Spence fought Ugas, I saw Mauricio there. And okay. uh, I mentioned that to him that, yeah, it's, you know, we want to make it authentic. Huh. I mean, even as simple as pulling the gloves back of the referee and putting tape on them and yeah. putting the sleeve over that to make them tight. Yes. You know, I mentioned that with Creed too, with the, uh, the referee for the Russian fight. So, right. yeah, uh, authenticity. Yeah. As realistic as it's going to get for Hollywood is a great movie. All right. I was going to ask you your viewpoint when you sat back and you, you watched it, you know, in the theater. Uh, how, how did you feel watching this one back compared to some of the others? You know, it was, it, it was a different feeling. Good question. It was a different feeling because of the relationship that I had with Michael building up to yeah. this one and my involvement. And, and, uh, there was a lot of great shots that they shot that they didn't use. Really. I mean, it's, there were so many, so many, different shots that they shot and when they put the film together uh yeah you know it, it could have been a lot more it could have been a three-hour movie easily sure easily yeah, sure all right so let, let's set the the tone for our listeners that have not maybe seen the movie yet so obviously creed three michael b jordan uh, adonis creed apollo creed's uh uh son um, we did not see any Sylvester Stallone. We didn't see any, any, any Rocky in this one, which we've seen Sylvester make some cameo appearances, actually have roles. Uh, but he did produce this, correct? How much was Sylvester around or was he around for, uh, for this? Not at all. Really? You know, yeah, not at all. And, you know, there was that conflict between him and Irvin Winkler, the, the producer that bought all the rights to Rocky. And, uh, but, and, and he made, you know, through mentions, through different stories that he wasn't going to be in this one, but he's definitely be in the next one. Mm. And he has nothing against Michael B. Jordan or Dolph Lundgren. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I expect to see him in the next one. Okay. 
Yeah. And they're already working on the next one. So there will be. Uh, y- yes, uh, yes. Uh, that's not a hidden thing. I'm talking to Ryan Coogler and, uh, and Keenan Coogler at the, at the premiere. And, uh, even Michael B. Jordan mentioned it before that. Yeah. They're working on. Now, Michael before. B. Jordan is not just an actor. He is the director of this yes. as well. So I believe this is his first directorial major motion picture, right? hundred percent. Right? And that's, oh, okay. that's what made it special is yeah. that he was so good and, and doing what he did. Uh, and cause I've seen them, you know, I've seen Sylvester Stallone when he did Balboa. Yep. He acted, directed in it. And I saw him as a professional top of the line. Ryan Coogler as a director and just so many guys uh, that I've seen. D- Michael did a great job. Kept his composure. He did. He did. And again, you know, with the story, you know, in this one, he's, he's retired. It kind of, again, we, we saw the film go, you know, from when he was a youth, which we really didn't know too much of that story in Creed and Creed 2. And so he has some flashbacks there and then it, it went ahead a, f- a few years and then to the present time where basically, you know, now Adonis Creed is, is really managing fighters or promoting fighters, you know, now. And like you said, he has a, a, a heavyweight champion who is a, a Mexican champion. And, uh, then he runs into, uh, one of his old, his old buddies who was a sp- aspiring, uh, boxer and he comes in and, and they re- reunite and this guy wants a, wants a shot at the title and, you know, he promotes that fight. And then of course, Michael B. Jordan, you know, he gets kind of called out. Uh, Adonis gets called out and they end up fighting, but I was really impressed. I'm always impressed with Michael B. Jordan and, and what he does, but Jonathan Majors, who plays, uh, the, the other fighter, uh, who Adonis and him, you know, were growing up together. Talk a little bit about Jonathan Majors. He's been in some stuff. Uh, and you could probably recite a couple of things that people might recognize him from, but uh, I thought he, he was fantastic. He gave you that look of like Mike Tyson, didn't he? The way, you know, really with just wearing the black shorts yeah. and no ring robe, nothing like that. And just kind of that nice, nasty guy who spent 18 years in prison and he comes out. And I thought that they actually, you know, captured that very, very well. Yeah. You know, he's the new superstar. That's coming up. And, you know, as you saw at the Academy Awards, it was him and Michael, yeah. you know, but Jonathan, uh, the first time I wrapped his hands, he came and sat down and, and, you know, normally I wrap guys hands. I'll talk to them. I'll joke around with them. Uh, he's not saying much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm thinking, you know what? You know, okay. You know, we, we finished. He wants to get up. I said, nah, we always dap. We always hug. But then I found out TC that he was in, uh, character. And I learned so much off of that that I respected him so much that uh, to the point where after that we hugged, we dapped, and he's telling me he loves me, right? Yeah. But what an actor, man. I'm telling you, I was impressed. He yeah. he just signed a seven-movie deal with Marvel. Okay. So he's going to be the bad guy for the rest of his life. You know, <laughs> he's, he's an Ant-Man, so, yeah. so he's the first actor in so many X amount of years that has had back-to-back number one hits. And uh, But a super, super guy. Graduated, I think, from Yale. Yeah, and, yeah, he's and an Ivy very guy, intelligent yeah. guy, and uh, but glad to be part of his history. Also, I mean, for me, it's an honor, yeah. you know. And uh, I'll tell you a quick scene: uh, the sparring, the the fighting when him and Adonis are fighting. Uh, he had already gone through sparring sessions. Well, when he fought Benavides Felix, you know, right. Michael just gets on and starts doing his thing. That he's not as in good 
warm-up condition as Jonathan Majors. They're, they're going to the body. Bam, bam, and bam. And at the end, they cut. And <laughs> I always cut the bandages off of the, the wraps off of Michael, right? Well, I have to go down to the trailer. And he's on the ground, man. <laughs> he's just so tired, right? He lifts his hand up, and I cut him off, and I laugh at him. I say, well, you know, it's you try to keep up with Jonathan, and he was already in in script for that he yeah. was already way way warmed up and uh so yeah they uh they worked but they worked great together so talk about again when you're doing a boxing movie and you are a fighter if you if you don't have that type of background it's got to be very very tough because as we know you know that uh, you know most fighters they start six seven eight years old i yeah. mean they're very very young and these two guys really appeared like they knew what they were doing so kind of kind of grade their performances as as boxers and what's the the backstory uh when did these guys start learning how to box yeah well you know michael of course from creed one right mm -hmm. and he had yeah. did that you know months 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 before so he's always kept that practice and and worked with the same guys you know clayton barber was uh, the guy that really put all this together the script uh for the fight scenes and he did a great job same thing with jonathan once jonathan picks up on something it's like a magnet He'll study that as hard as he can, as much as he can. Like I say, he was in character. Mm -hmm. And I'm wrapping his hand just so he can go shoot, right? <laughs> so, you know, I, I learned so much off of him. And yeah. and I saw he did an interview, and he says, whatever I do, I'm going to maximize it at the highest level. Yeah. And again, you've been around a lot of these fighters, and you've done, you know, a lot of boxing movies over the last couple of decades. I mean, we go back to Plate to the Bone and yeah. all those others, right? So there have been those fighters that you had to be saying to yourself, oh man, this, you know, th th this guy doesn't look like a fighter or, you know, this, you know, we really got to cover up some stuff camera wise or whatever, right? I mean, but, but see, this, you could tell this, this looked like the real deal. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. You know, but the thing about it, you have to understand as you're looking at these guys, yeah, we have those impressions in our yeah. mind, but Hollywood's an illusion. Right. They'll make ugly look pretty. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so I always keep that in mind. And I learned that. That's know? why you look like a million bucks, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I told you. They took my wrinkles. I know they did. They left my wrinkles out, my gray hair on. and and uh, But it's all right. They left it all natural. No. Uh, very strong, man. Very strong. Stitch Duran in the house. Join us. Legendary cut man and trainer. Uh, appeared again in, in Creed 3. Just released a few weeks ago. You got to go see it. It's still playing all over town here uh, as well. How many times have you seen the movie? Uh, you know, I four in one week. So I... <laughs> I, my wife and I, Charlotte, we drive to Los Angeles uh, two weeks ago mm -hmm. uh, to where well, they had the screening for the cast and crew, yep. everybody involved in the movies. Mm -hmm. So we saw it by ourselves casual. Okay. The next day we had the red carpet. So back to back. And then uh, Friday when it came out, Yaya McClain, let's talk about him. He was in the movie. Yes. Johnny McClain, that yes. uh, former world champion. Yes. He was the coach for Jonathan Majors and right. did a great job. Yeah. Right? So he had a screening here in Las Vegas. And, okay. uh, of course, I bought 20 tickets, friends and family and all that. Yeah. And then the next day, I went back to my hometown of Planada. 1,500, yep. 2,000 people. Uh, I bought 50 tickets. I invited people that I grew up with at Hadley's camp, the migrant camp. Yeah, yeah. I invited them as my special guests and oh, then wow. other friends that I grew up with forever. And we all went to watch it together. That's cool. Yeah. So it's always good to get back and, yeah. and just little things like that. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what I get off on TC. Oh, no. You're, you're a pro stitch again, humanitarian and, and, and great, not only just for the sport, but the city of Las Vegas and everything in general. Uh, just, uh, appreciate you, the friendship and uh, the open and honesty. Um, uh, 
with these movie scenes, you said you, okay, you uh, spent time in Atlanta mm-hmm. and L.A. So we saw like the Dodger Stadium scene, okay? <laughs> and I'm going like, okay, so we know that that's that's not filled with with 58,000 people like uh, for a Dodger World Series game or a playoff game or whatever. But uh, just talk a little bit about the filming of the major fights in this movie, where they took place. Um, and did they, did the one take place in Atlanta uh, uh, as part of a, another major fight, correct? They, they both did. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Dodger Stadium was shot in Atlanta, right? I told you, everything's an illusion, right? Yeah. The, the fights in South Africa with Tony Bello were filmed in Atlanta, yeah. right? So, uh, yeah, it's funny, you know, going into, <laughs> I guess maybe it was right, going uh, out of the shoot uh, when we're going in, in, Dodger Stadium, uh, as we're walking out, you see all the teams on the wall, right? Yeah. So I'm walking as a team and I see the Oakland A, so I tap it. Yeah. And on the next one, Mike says, uh, stitch, stitch, don't tap them. You know? So I try to give the Oakland A's a little bit of a plug. You did a little bit of love. That's, yeah, a, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Because, uh, they said, you know, one of the fights uh, was in the crypto.com, which is the old staple center or yes. whatever they say. But like I said, Hollywood's an illusion, but I, I'm always fascinated with that because as you know, a lot of, uh, the fight scenes, some, some um, fight scenes in pr- in previous movies were filmed here in Las Vegas yes. on on part of uh, an undercard or after a main event when they had a, a a full crowd right at the MGM and stuff like that. Yes, and, of course. But yeah. you know, and and the, originally Creed was going to come out November the twenty third. Right. And I'm wrapping Michael's hands and he gets a phone call and it's Denzel Washington. And I think, oh, wow. You know, he has a speakerphone on yeah. and town. He's getting his hand wrapped. But Denzel asked him, when's the movie coming out? And he said, well, traditionally, the Creed and Rocky movies have been Thanksgiving weekend. Black Panther scheduled to come out November the 11th. So, you know, so I'm thinking that I'm telling people November 23rd and and you're talking about footage from the audience. I'm watching Ryan Garcia was fighting his last fight. I can't remember who he fought. Mm-hmm. And um I see Michael in the in the ring. And so they're filming in between the fights. They're filming the audience's reactions. I hear him, well, this one here, just boo and all that. So they filmed that and they incorporated that into uh, the movie. Wow. Great stuff. Yeah. So, right. so anyway, what he told me at that point, he tells the fans, all right, I'll see you guys, uh, three, three, 23. I said, like, what? <laughs> but, but I loved it. I, I, you know, everything, I based everything on numbers and yeah. what better way to remember three, three, 23 for Creed three. They're very nice. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. And we, we see that in the, in the posters, the promo, those, those numbers. Uh, the behind the scenes stuff obviously is, is phenomenal. Love hearing that. You shared a couple <laughs> things. Give, give us a couple more golden nuggets there. The behind the scenes stuff. Uh, well, there, well, Jonathan Majors. All right. So he did such a great job, right? So in the fight, when he's fighting Felix, he does all these illegal tactics and Russell Mora is in the movie also. Yeah. He gives him two point and then so and so and he's telling him so and so. Well, in one of the scenes, they didn't show it, but he was such a, a-hole that when they cut break, I walked to the other side of his corner. I said, he's in the ring. I said, Jonathan, you're a ass beep beep. I said, but I loved it because you were so, you were so bad that it made me sick. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah. So, you know, it's been a great opportunity and, uh, yeah. Benavides, he did a great job. Yeah. You know, and, uh, just, you know, and not an actor, but he, I told him it's going to change your life. Yeah. You know? And and we've seen, you know, boxers, uh, you know, star in movies or, or get roles like this. Our friend who was in Digstown, who fought so many, so many fights here in Las Vegas. I want to say Gar, it wasn't Garcia. It was Garcia. It was, uh, which Garcia? Oh, was Alex that? Garcia. Alex Garcia. Alex thank Garcia. you. There we go. There we go. All right. All right. 
<laughs> Alex Garcia. There yeah. you go. Again, and he was in Dickstown, and yeah, he got yeah. a role. So you know, I mean, we've seen you know boxers who who play roles like this before. So yeah, yeah it's a, it's been a pleasure, and you know, it's not even about the economics. Dude. It's about accomplishments. You know, yeah. and like I say, I always go back to me growing up as a farm worker. Now look at me now. You know, so everything's possible for anybody. Absolutely. Know? Stitch Duran in the house. Join us. All right. I know that uh, you got a big fight. Several big fights uh, coming up that you're involved with. And uh, Caleb Plant, uh, we've seen him a lot here in Las Vegas. He's got a huge fight coming up here on the 25th at the MGM Grand. Uh, can hardly wait for that against David Benavides, uh, super middleweight uh, champion. Uh, Benavides, undefeated, 26 wins, 23 knockouts. Caleb Plant, as we saw, we saw him fight Canelo Alvarez. Uh, very, very tough. So talk a little bit about this fight and talk about your your guy, Caleb Plant. You know, it's it's a pleasure working with Caleb. I've, I remember when he first got here, he was just, you know, he was that that guy. You know, he's always quiet, always training hard and all that. And even through his training, I always go say hi to him. And he was a former kickboxer, right? Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of in common on that. And and uh, but uh, they called me to work on his last fight, and uh, I didn't know his trainer, uh, Breadman Steve. I don't even know his last name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on this training camp. I've, I've been at the gym every day. In fact, I'll be there after we finish this radio right. at five o'clock. Um, but the thing with him, with Caleb and Breadman, the coach and the father, Richie, is that they're all in sync. And I've worked with a lot of great fighters, TC, and a lot of great trainers. I got to give this guy, Breadman, a lot of credit for being, uh, unrecognizable coach, but he don't work on that. Mm-hmm. But he works on good fundamentals. And to me, and C- Caleb is following those fundamentals. Yeah. So I, I expect this to be a real good fight. You know, don't uh, underestimate Caleb by any means. Yeah. Steven Edwards, bread man. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, bread the, man. Yeah. yeah. So where'd the bread man, I say, I knew Steven Edwards, but where'd the bread man come from? I, I'm scared to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Caleb sure gives bread man a lot of, a lot of kudos, a lot of praise. And he says, Oh no, the chemistry has just been, been great between them. It's phenomenal. You yeah. know, just, just, just to look at them work together and, and the simple instructions that he gives them, are very they're to the point mm-hmm. and and i tell them you know i don't get involved during the you know the the instructions and all that but off the record i'll tell them you guys are on point man yeah you know so i expect it to be a real, real good fight yeah all don't, right. don't underestimate caleb plant that's for sure no we shouldn't it, it yeah. seems like a pretty even fight yeah. uh, as well too and conditioning wise you know he's I mean, Tony Brady's doing his conditioning for him, and and that's going to be a key, key, key weapon for him is his conditioning. Yeah, Benavides is a is a great fight uh, in relationship to who Jose. Who, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, I know yeah. a lot of people may not realize that, but you yeah. know. So I told Jose at the premiere. <laughs> We're taking pictures. Can we hit it off great? I mean, we're yeah. friends, you know, the, the whole family. So let me go back 10 years ago when I was with the UFC. We did a show in London, and and his father, uh, David and Jose's father, was training uh, Ryan Bader. And so we're on the bus together going to the weigh-ins, and at that point, he told me, I have two sons. They're both going to be world champions. So actually, when Earl Spence fought um, Ugas, I saw them there, and I told him, I said, I want you guys to know that your father – said that you guys were going to be world champions, sure enough, right? So with Jose, we hit it off great. Yeah. And then we're taking a picture together. And, ah, man, you know, you ever come to Seattle, you're always welcome. I said, no, I'll see you March 25th. I'm working with Caleb. Uh, you know? So we'll see how that goes uh, at the press conference and at the fights. Uh, can hardly wait. March 25th here at the MGM Grand. It's a pay-per-view. Um, we'll be on Showtime pay-per-view. 
And uh, again, MGM presented by Premier Boxing. Uh, it's going to be a good one. It's about time, Stitch. We got some some world championship fights back here in Vegas. We've been out a little of a, a downtrend, you know, for a while here. Yeah, but we, know, we got them racked up here coming up here. And and I moved to Vegas. I'm sure so did you yep. because it's the boxing capital of the world. Yep. But yep. I do so much traveling. You know, that uh, got to get a new passport. Got to add pages to them. But it's <laughs> nice to be back home. And and you know, normally after a fight, I'll go home. I won't even get a room. Yeah. But uh, Caleb or Jordan Plant says, you know, get your room for Friday and Saturday. And I said, nah. And then my wife said, yeah, let's get it. Why not? Well, you know, so staycation, uh, a staycation. That's right. what she said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so looking forward to it. Yeah. Good stuff. Benavides and Plant. Uh, it'll be a, a heck of a fight uh, coming up here on March the 25th. All right. So you're a busy guy. Got tons of stuff going. Uh, we already know that Creed 4 is going to be happening again. Is there a timetable? For that? No, I don't know. Yeah. You know, normally they've been what three, four years or yeah. something gap. Yeah. Uh, but first time I've seen that they're working on the next one right off the bat. And uh so well, we'll see. But you also noticed that Drago was in the film. Yes. Right? Yeah. So there is gonna be a spinoff on Drago. Right. And and I was talking to uh Florian when we were doing the filming and and it's gonna be him and, and uh Dolph. Mm-hmm. They'll be working, but you'll see the good side of Drago. Okay. And, you know, okay. So interesting to see that goes off. Great stuff. Yeah. All right. Stitch, uh, we appreciate the time as always, man. We'll let you get back to the gym. Appreciate taking time out of your busy schedule with this. And again, a couple weeks away from another world championship fight. Um, any communication with, uh, with Tyson Fury? I know that you've, uh, you know, had those days, uh, you know, with, with him in the ring. Uh, great partnership there. Yeah. What's the latest with, uh, with Tyson? I, I haven't heard from him, you know, but, uh, I guess he might be, he's going to be fighting Usyk. And, yeah. and at that point, I think they're going to need a pretty solid cut man, right? Yeah, there you go. And, and uh, so I know a know, guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so same, anyway. same guy you had before, Tyson. So, so, so before I leave, I got to let you listen to this message from yes. Vladimir Klitschko. Oh, yeah. All right. So when I was with uh, Mauricio telling him about yeah. the, the film, he says, we're talking about the Klitschkos because they're fighting Russia right now, right? Yeah. And uh, Vladimir Vitali is the mayor of Kiev and Vladimir the face. Yeah. So we took a picture and sent it to him and Vladimir sent me this message and I want you and your listeners to listen to it because, uh, well, I'll let you listen. Okay. To yeah. It. Put it's, that up as close to the mic yeah, as you can go. here and let's see if we can, uh, yeah, get this here. Here we go. My two favorite men, especially Stitch, with whom I spent so much time talking and he actually saved my career on a lot of different stages. Uh, if Stitch wouldn't be in my corner, I would not make the record of 12 years being a champion. So, um, that's uh, so great to see you both. And Stitch is the man. Vladimir Klitschko. Vladimir Klitschko. Outstanding. Yeah. So I'll give you a quick ending to this. So when he fought Anthony Joshua, uh, yeah, Anthony Joshua's last fight, I didn't see Vladimir and Vitaly till Friday because Carla had got married. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I talked to both of them and finally at the end, uh, before he gets on the scale, I put my hand on Vladimir. I said, don't worry about nothing tomorrow. I'm going to take care of you like you're my son. And I leave because you know he can't sleep and all that. Mm -hmm. TC, I'm putting the Vaseline on him, 90,000 Brits. Uh, people worldwide, Michael Buffer's ready to do the announcement. I'm a foot away from him, and he says, between him and I, he says, you could call me son. <laughs> oh, my God, that gave me chills, and it still does. Right. And then uh, he called me after, Daddy. But then months later, I saw him in Germany. And I said, Vladimir, that moment, why? Simple as that. He says, Stitch, there's very few people I trust in my life. You are one of them. 
the ultimate compliment, my friend. It's an honor. The ultimate compliment from a, not just a superstar in the sport of boxing, but just uh, a, a great guy all the way around. So yeah, I miss these guys. Delivered from one great guy to another great guy. Thank so, you. Great stuff, brother. All right, Stitch, I appreciate you as always, man. We will uh, definitely uh, keep having you on. Uh, always great, man. The, the legend, as I like to call him, the legendary cut man and trainer. And also... The star of uh, the stage and screen as well, Jacob Stitch Durand. Uh, give the best to the family uh, again, and uh, we look forward to seeing you real soon. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed the movie, and thanks for having me on. You got that right, as All right, always. Guys. All right, Stitch Durand in the house. We come back. We talk NFL for agency. One of our quarterbacks will be joining us this hour. The other next hour, it's Steve Berline next hour. Coming up next, the former Raider, Jay Schrader. This is boxing referee Kenny Bayless, and what I say you must obey. So be sure to catch up with the broadcast at tcmartinshow.com. How about that, huh? I mean, my man Kenny Bayless, uh, he was in Creed 3 doing... Uh, refereeing in, in one of the fights. Uh, we just have Jacob Stitch Duran on. Uh, Al Bernstein just reached out to me, and uh, he was in the movie as well, too. I just love that. I'm sitting there watching the movie last night and just going, hey, those are my guys. But again, that's, that's one of the main reasons I went, because I wanted to, to see these guys, and uh, they've been in so many different uh, boxing movies. So yeah, Creed 3, uh, very good. Uh, just uh, lived up uh, to the rest of the Creed series and, of course, uh, the Rocky series as well, too. But always great uh, having uh, Jacob Stitch Duran uh, join me on the show, and especially, you know, whether it's uh, on location or in the studio, always fun. My youngest is a big fan of the Creed series now yeah. and, and, and Bo- Rocky and all together. So yeah. uh, when I text him the picture, I said, do you know who that is? And he goes, yeah, he looks familiar. <laughs> I said, yeah, he's in the studio right now. So I thought that was pretty cool. Very cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, uh, Stitch is, is great. Again, just a Hall of Famer himself and uh, appreciate him. All right. Uh, we continue on here. Remember, we've got the madness upon us uh, coming up uh, starting uh, tomorrow with the field of 64, with the playing games last night and tonight. We'll touch on that. Uh, come on and join us at the Westgate Las Vegas inside the world-famous Superbook. Again, tomorrow and Friday we'll be out there. And get your tickets uh, to see all the games inside the International Theater at the Westgate Las Vegas. You can get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. But right That's now, awesome. today, it's uh, NFL Free Agency Day. So we got to bring in one of our quarterbacks, of course. The one and only Jay Schrader joins us now. My man, what is going on there, QB? Not much. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm good, man. How about yourself? Yeah. You tell I'm, me. I, I am doing well. I'm looking, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an unrestricted free agent, so, you know, I'll put my name out there. I can, you know, I can walk. I'm not sure about running anywhere, but, you know, I could throw an out route still, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Believe me, man, uh, looking at the current state of affairs in the NFL, the quarterback position, I'd say maybe 10 guys are worth the damn. So there's 20 <laughs> spots that are open for you. How's that? Hey, I like it. I like it. You know, I, have to have to bypass some surgeons, you know, to get cleared off. But you know, I think I'll be okay. Okay, so uh, obviously the big news today is uh, Aaron Rodgers, where he said he intends to play for the New York Jets. Now Rodgers said that uh, he made that decision on Friday, uh, and he's not holding up a trade. But again, right now the Green Bay Packers hold all the cards 
in this situation. Okay. So Roger said he took his sweet time, wanted to decide, you know, if you wanted to play number one and then, okay, well, who would he entertain playing for? So, uh, the Packers and, and, and Jets are talking. Uh, let's hear from Aaron Rodgers and hear about the way that he, um, kind of broke down the situation here and the way he talked about how he came to this decision. He talked about this on the Pat McAfee show, you know, earlier today about, uh, you know, making the decision process, but then kind of talking about his, his relationship currently with the Green Bay Packers as well as, uh, where he stands right now with, uh, with the New York Jets. So we'll, 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 we'll let you, you know, hear that here. But before we get into that, Jay, g- give me your thoughts as, as news about Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, taking his sweet time, then finally, you know, letting the world know about his decision. Well, I mean, we go through this every year. This yeah. is, you know, five, five years running with Aaron Rodgers. You know, where's he going to, is he going to play? Who's he going to play for? What do you want to do? Well, now he's got everybody hostage and, you know, he's like, yeah, I want to play for the Jets, but Hey, look, me personally, if I was running the Packers, I'd be like, you're going to wait, but I'm, I'm going to wait until I get exactly what I want because you obviously want to go there. Jets are out trying to sign all these guys that he had on his wish list and all that. I'd make him sweat. I'd get, I'd get a lot for in that return. But uh, it's obvious he's not going back to Green Bay. So um, I'm sure they don't they don't want to play the game anymore. Of you know, is this the last year? What's he want? You know, all that stuff. But uh, it's unfortunate. But right now, you know, he's in a waiting game, and he's announced that he's going to go play. Uh, he wants to go play for the Jets. If I was the Packers, I'd make him sweat it out a little while. All right, here is Aaron Rodgers' version on the way everything has gone down and why he came to this decision. So I'm uh, no malice, no bitterness towards Packers. It's been bittersweet for sure the last uh, the last ten days. So I've shifted my focus to entertaining, you know, what the plane would look like, and had the, uh, you know, uh, the Packers granted obviously permission for the Jets to come out and visit. We had a nice visit. Um, they decided to leave their cars in the street, which attracted paparazzi attention, which uh, got, you know, a few of them photographed, which I thought was pretty funny. I told them, listen, I'm not ready to make a decision about anything. I want to get back into my workouts and see how it feels, uh, you know, to really hit it hard for, for a week. I've obviously been working out before that, but to really hit it hard for a week and and to see if the drive and the the passion is still there and, and then I'll, you know, see where we're at. And, and so again, this is why this is not a decision here. The decision I think was made in my mind, whether or not I was able to admit at that point, uh, really on that Tuesday, I wanted to play. Um, and then it was, uh, you know, how is my body uh, feeling? Is it going to be able to hold up? So at this point, as I sit here, you know, I think since Friday, uh, I made it clear that my intention was to play and my intention was to play for the New York jets. Okay. Um, and I haven't been holding anything up at this point. It's been compensation that the Packers are trying to get uh, for me and kind of digging their heels in. So I would just, uh, <laughs> I think it is interesting at this point to step back and look at the whole picture. Um, you know, my side, love and appreciation, gratitude for everything that Green Bay has done for me. Love, so much love and gratitude and just heart open for the Packer fans and what it meant to be their quarterback. And also the reality of the situation, you know, like it is what it is. The Packers would like to move on. 
They've let me know that in so many words. They let, they've let other people know that in direct words. Um, and because I still have that fire and I, I, and I want to play and I would like to play in New York, uh, it's just a matter of, um, you know, getting that done at this point. All right, Aaron Rodgers. So when you hear that, Jay, what do you think? Well, is this a one-year deal? I mean, <laughs> am I crazy, or has he gone through this for the last five years? Do I want to play? Do I not want to play? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, if I'm the Jets, I'm like, dude, you've got to commit in more than one year if we're going to sell the farm to try to get you here. And, uh, you know, I, did, I think it's unfortunate that professional sports have gotten to this point, okay? Um where guys are opting out every year, you know, hey, I want another contract, I want to do this, I want to do that. Um, and uh, I understand they get, you know, the guy's a phenomenal player. That's not, no question about that. But, um, you know, he says he's not holding it up. Well, he's put the Packers in this situation for a number of years. And I have, you know, hey, look, if the Packers hold on to him and, and make him sweat, I'm okay with that. I agree with you. And it was only a year ago that Rodgers said that he was going to finish his career in Green Bay. Remember, just even a few right. weeks ago before he went in the darkness, like, well, I'm about 90% sure that I'm going to retire. So, yeah, yeah I mean, we've, we've heard this right. before. And again, I, I don't like people comparing him to Brett Favre. And, you know, I was back in Green Bay during that whole Brett Favre scenario and totally different. Okay. Brett Favre right. wanted to stay in Green Bay. And uh, the media made a mockery of it, and Ted Thompson made a mockery of it. And yeah, he was had Aaron Rodgers sitting on the bench for three years, and he drafted him. He wanted uh, to go forward, and basically, you know, he ends up, uh, you know, traded to the Jets. And Brett still had plenty of life in him. We saw him play a couple years after that, and then he ends up in Minnesota. So here it is now with Aaron Rodgers. Oh, he's going to end up. You know, in the Jets, uh, with the Jets, but just, it's different, totally different because, you know, you have this, uh, bruised relationship between Rodgers and Brian Goodykunz and then Mark Murphy mm -hmm. and, and, you know, um, even with the head coach, uh, to a certain de right. degree in, in LaFleur. So no, and, and Packer fans, I can tell you, they have been fed up for a while, uh, with, with Aaron Rodgers, plain and simple, but he wants to continue, uh, he wants to control the narrative. And then, you know, yesterday, coming out and say, hey, here's a list of guys that, uh, you know, I would like for you to 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 get on the team. And of course, there were former Packers, Mercedes Lewis, Alan Lazard, you know, Ran, uh, you know, um, Randall Cobb. And you know, Randall Cobb, I mean, nobody wants Randall Cobb right now. I mean, <laughs> right. And, and, the, and he made the Packers bring him back and with the guy catch, you know, maybe eight passes, you know, this right. year when when he came back into the Packers. No, it's it, yeah. it's just a joke. And you're right. I'm glad you said that, Jay, because this the situation with the Jets is they're going to mortgage the farm and do this for what one year and go through this nightmare again. And what if the Jets have a typical season? What's right. Rogers going to feel like? Like, oh man, you know, I what, I signed off on this. Are you kidding me? Yeah, for, forget about all this. Well, it's because <laughs> the Jets are desperate for a quarterback. They're total yep. desperate. And yep, they've, it, they've, they've it, taken some, they've, they've taken some swings and they've had misses and they're like, Hey, this is a proven guy. You know, we could tell everybody we went out and all that. But again, are you going to do it for one year? I mean, am I crazy? Isn't this the 50 year in a row? Aaron Rodgers? Yes. You know, waited to be like, Oh, I don't know if I'm going to play. What is going to, you know, they don't want me. I don't, you know, come on, mm. you know, let's figure it out. Yeah. So if you are the Packers here and, 
you've basically made that commitment said, okay, we're going to Jordan Love. Now, with all that being said, from a football standpoint, Jay, I don't know why you would want to go ahead with Jordan Love when, you know, you, you've had basically, you know, a multi MVP, you know, in your camp there. I understand, okay, you got bad blood or something like that, but still for you to come out and say that you believe in Jordan Love, I mean, we remember seeing this guy at Utah State. He was marginal at best there. Right. Uh, right. You know, he was reached for as a late first round draft pick. Uh, why do you think the Packers, I mean, do you really believe that they think that they got something with Jordan Love? No. No, I'll be honest. No, I don't think they do. I think they are fed up with the diva Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're at a point right now where they go, hey, we can get a lot in return um, if we do this now. Um, because he said he wants to play. Let's figure out what the most we can possibly get and get, you know, they're, they're tired of dealing with, with that relationship. There's no question about it. He's burned a lot of bridges. You know, he's like, Oh, I have no animosity and all that. Dude, what you've done the last five years to that organization has been awful. Mm-hmm. You know, you basically held him hostage every offseason, you know, waiting on you to go into your darkness and come out with some revelation. So um, I think the Packers are just completely fed up, and they're like, look, it's been a good run. Yep, we're done. Now, if they don't get what they want for Rodgers, then the Packers could just let him sit, but they want to pay him to sit. So then they would probably just outright release him, which – I guess Rodgers would want, but then again, you're at a point now where, especially with the draft coming up, that the Packers can really hamstring him and these other teams because, as you know, you don't want to go into the OTAs, uh, you know, without a quarterback. I mean, you, you want to know who your number one quarterback is, right? So what, what do you think happens with the court? What do you think happens from the Packers perspective? What do they do? What do they ask for? When do they make a move? They're they're going to get a great they're going to get a great deal. Okay, I don't know if it's going to be a you know over the top Herschel Walker you know type move um, like that, but they're going to get a great deal because as you said, the Jets are desperate. They're desperate. They know what if they go out and sign all these other guys and go, okay, we got them, but we don't have Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. You know, before the draft, they're going to have to go. Okay, how many draft picks do you want? We got to get our guy. Um, so it, something will happen, I would imagine, before the draft. It's going to go back and forth. And now that it's out there, everybody knows. You know, the Jets are desperate. And you're right. Packers hold all the cards. I'd be sitting there. I'd go, hey, look, I want five first-round draft choice. I want your next five years. Start, let's, let's start from there. That sounds like yeah, the movie Draft Day. I mean, there, there's Kevin Costner right there. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, that's where I'd start. I'd go, I want your next five dra- first-round draft picks. Because you're right. What if, okay, what if he plays this year, they have a mediocre year, then he decides not to play? Well, those first-round draft picks are going to be top five, right? Right. <laughs> so, I mean, you could walk away with, you know, four or five years with some with some dudes that, you know, can play. So, you know, they're going to ask the moon. They're going to have to go back and forth. Is it going to be five first round? No, there's no way, you know, that they're going to end up getting that. But, you know, you, you've got to shoot for the moon and go from there because you're right. The Jets are desperate and Green Bay doesn't want him. So Green Bay is going to get something, and I think it's going to happen before the draft. All right. Jay Schrader joins us uh, talking about NFL free agency. Uh, 
underway as we speak right now officially. Uh, the Raiders sign Jimmy Garoppolo, three-year deal, $67.5 million, $34 million of that is guaranteed. We had speculated what the Raiders are going to do. Doesn't come as too much of a surprise. We knew the Niners didn't want anything to do with Garoppolo. Um, you know, why still kind of beyond me? Because again, you know, they reached and they went to, after Trey Lance, which I still don't believe he's going to be a quality right. NFL quarterback. Now they look at Brock Purdy and they go, okay, well, maybe we do have our guy. So now Garoppolo becomes available. Uh, he shopped around, but, uh, he signs with the Raiders, obviously, because of the relationship with Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler. Give me your thoughts, uh, about the Raiders getting their quarterback in Garoppolo. Well, we talked about this a month ago, didn't we, on the show? I mean, we thought that this was where they'd end up, but I thought they'd keep Stenham as, as a backup because, yep. you know, we all know Garoppolo gets injured and all that. So they're going to have to get a young guy that, you know, they feel they, they can go out. They're going to have to do that. They're going to have to pull the trigger on a young guy and groom somebody because they know Garoppolo's not the 10-year you know, down the road guy. He's he's a two year, two to three year stopgap guy that's going to win you some football games. Okay, the guy, the guy can win some win some football games, but uh, uh, you're going to have to have somebody ready to go. So uh, it's not a shock that he's there. Um, I think the more of the shock is that Darren Waller's gone, um, but I can see that on the Raiders' point of view too. The guy's played what ten games over the last two years after signing a big contract. So. You know, it's when you come right down to it, it's a money business. These guys are out there to make money for the owners, and uh, you got to look at the the dollar amounts what these guys get to. What's more of a shock, Jay, that the Raiders signed Garoppolo, Darren Waller traded to the Giants for a third round pick, the hundredth overall, or the Raiders signing Jacoby Myers, the guy that basically kept the Patriots out of the playoffs <laughs> and returning to the scene of the crime? What's going on with this? <laughs> Yeah, you know, it, it, it is, let's just put it this way, it is a strange world out there, my friend. It, it really is, you know, and uh, I mean, everybody everybody ought to love Jacoby Myers coming. They're like, hey, dude, thank you. Jay, you know, this guy is going to get a standing ovation. Are you kidding me when he comes? <laughs> the, now, it'd only be even more enhanced if the Raiders actually made the playoffs, like, for that, you know, bonehead move oh, yeah. that he made when he, you know, right. thought he was a quarterback again, you know, going Going back to his right. high school days, but you know the Raiders didn't go anywhere anyway. But yeah, it literally did cost the Patriots a playoff spot. It did, it did, yeah. And the Patriots are probably like, yeah, take them, please, get you out know? of here, right? <laughs> please, because we don't, we don't want that around. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's a crazy world, and you know, you look and you know, it's guys that uh, everybody thinks you know are are hard, high commodity guys. You know, Zeke Elliott. You know, oh, he's a cowboy for life. Well, no, he's not. So, you know, it's, it comes down, it is a business and these guys are going to run it like a business and it doesn't matter who you are. So, uh, we'll see, but, um, you know, the Aaron Rodgers things, obviously the big deal, but you know, I see where Jacoby Brissett's going to sign with the, the commanders. I'm like, Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, that's your, what are we doing? So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of head scratching and, and all that. So, um, everybody, it's, it's a crapshoot right now. And everybody's trying to take their swing and see what they can get. Wow. Crazy stuff. My friend, we appreciate the time. Uh, as always, uh, we look forward to getting you back uh, out in person, uh, out of yep. the Westgate here. And I know that you're going to be watching some March Madness over the weekend, and hopefully yeah. we'll get together as well, too. Uh, always great good. always great stuff. I mean, we, we love this time of year, don't we? So we do. We do. There's a lot going on, and uh, it's a fun time of year, that's for sure. All right, brother. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate the time today. 
You bet. Thank you, bud. There you go. Jay Schrader, uh, the quarterback. All right. Uh, visit with Jay Schrader. Uh, next hour, we'll also visit with our other quarterback, uh, Steve Berline, and we'll get his thoughts uh, regarding the Raiders, free agency, and uh, a plethora of moves uh, going on today there. All right. We come back. We're going to go across the pond. Yes, we are. Visit with our good friend, Paul Buckpower Stewart. We're going to talk a little WBC. No, not boxing. The World Baseball Classic. What does Paul Buckpower Stewart know about that? We'll find out. That and a whole lot more coming your way. One hour down, one to go on this wild Wednesday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Now you're going to bring it up and, and just put salt on the wound? Will you stop yelling at me? No! Live in the entertainment capital of the world. No, no, you're making me nervous, but seriously. It's the T.C. Martin Show. No, listen. Uh, you're making me nervous. Diagnosis. Uh-oh! And a foul! Prognosis. Well, that's good. Osmosis. And they'll reset. Nowitzki again for the lead. Bang! It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Number two here on this Wednesday. Yeah, talk some movies. Uh, the first hour with Jacob Stitch Duran talking about Creed Three. Great stuff uh, with uh, him. Al Bernstein in the movie. Kenny Bayless, Tony Weeks. Yes, a lot of Las Vegans in that movie. Loved it as well. Michael B. Jordan doing his directorial debut with that movie and starring in it. Jonathan Majors, great. And yeah, Stitch Duran, fantastic. Appreciate him stopping on by. Here today. Also, Jay Schrader joined us uh, last hour. So, if you miss any part of that, go to the website a little bit later on at tcmartinshow.com and hear those interviews and hear the show back or wherever you get your podcasts. There you have it. Hour number two coming your way. We'll uh, talk more NFL free agency and March Madness with our good friend Steve Berline, who is rehabbing as we speak. Uh, just got out of physical therapy from a major knee surgery. Remember, he talked with us last time he was on the show a couple weeks ago that uh, he was going to be celebrating his birthday by going under the knife. So we'll hear from Steve Berline a little bit later on this hour. But we start this hour going across the pond to our very good friend, uh, the Buccaneer at large, as I like to say, does a fantastic job covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and has for quite some time now, uh, afar. Uh, that is Paul Buck's Power Stewart, buckpower.com. Paul, what is going on, my man? A very good afternoon to you, TC, and good afternoon to everyone in Vegas. Sorry, I haven't been on for a couple of months. It's good to be back. It is. I mean, we understand you're, you know, you and TJ Reeves, your Buccaneer season kind of got uh, shut down, you know, prematurely. But I think we all, deep down inside, knew that the the Bucks weren't going to go very far this year. But that does not mean that you need to be a stranger, Paul. I mean, just because the Bucks are done and this is technically the off season, uh, you don't have to be a stranger. I've been waiting for the arrival on the sporting world of Great Britain and baseball. And I bet you never thought you'd be saying that. Oh, yes. I have to dive into this with you. So the WBC, not for our boxing fans, it's not the the World Boxing Council. No, this is the World Baseball Classic, which the United States are in. And uh, actually, a lot of baseball fans, including myself, really – 
looking forward to this, and I say looking forward even though it's already underway. Um, the United States already played three games, and Great Britain, I believe, has already played four. Uh, they had a team in this tournament. I say had because I believe they are eliminated over the top rope. That's a wrestling term, my friend. Uh, one in three they go. But yes, tell us. Have you been watching Great Britain? Has anybody been watching Great Britain and the World Baseball Classic in your country? Yeah, now the first thing I need to point out is exactly how British this Great Britain team is. Um, it's not. <laughs> now, to say some of the eligibility has been a bit strained, there's a guy on the roster whose mother held a Hong Kong passport when it was a British colony. There's another guy whose grandfather was born in Jamaica. There is only one person involved in the British Baseball League who is there. Everyone else is a minor leaguer who's got some sort of tenuous relationship to Great Britain. Now, I've got no problem with that. They made this decision about 15 years ago. They were going to try and get the best team they could. Now, if they'd had the World Baseball Classic in 89 or 92 then yours truly would have made probably the 40-man roster because I was playing in the British League and I was one of the top hitters in 89 and I was one of the top pitchers in 92 but I was never going to get close to the standard required so this team are all minor leaguers with some sort of dubious you know relationship to Great Britain it has made the news over here because it's a unique story you know it's like hang on Britain playing baseball, it would be like America qualifying for the Cricket World Cup. It would be that sort of strange scenario. And the fact they actually won a game, they beat Colombia, was fantastic. So it's a lovely novelty story, but please do not believe for a minute any of these players are flying home to Great Britain to celebrate, because most of them don't even have passports. So I'm wondering, what was the the practice time or you know putting this thing together? I mean, you're talking about 15 years ago in, in, in the making here, but how long has this actual team been together prior to their first game in the WBC? Uh, about a week. Um, now, there were a couple of guys. There was a guy in the Rays minor leagues who got a phone call saying, oh, we understand your grandfather had some kind of British eligibility. We think he once went to Liverpool on vacation. Um, so you're eligible. Can you turn up in Arizona on this date and you're on the roster? That's about the level it got to. Now, as I said, it's a nice story. There's a guy who's on the, the bench coach for the Great Britain team. I remember him as a six-year-old kid. I used to play catch with him, and I used to play against his dad. It's a lovely story. It is going to promote baseball more in Great Britain. There are about 100 teams. I've been coaching one of the local teams down here over the winter. And the it, thing is, this World Baseball Classic, it's not really for the American audience or American fans because you've got the major leagues everyone knows this is to promote the game around the world and if you've seen the crowds for the Mexicans what the Colombians getting crazy what it was like in Japan because Japan won their group this is about promoting baseball around the world and to be honest it doesn't matter who wins it's the fact it's taking place is the big story and, and that's it you hit the nail on the head when you look at these games you think about the dimension Dominican Republic, Venezuela, Colombia, uh, Japan, even though um, they're worlds apart, but their fan bases 
are crazy. I mean, you know, Japan, they love their baseball. We know that. I mean, it's, it's baseball in sumo. Uh, there's no, that, that, that's, that's the order and probably pro- <laughs> professional wrestling as well, too. They love that, but their crowds are subdued, but you go, you know, over to, you know, South America and those crowds are nuts. I mean, they, they basically have bands and they're, they're banging drums and they're waving flags and women are taking off their tops. I mean, it is craziness over there. Uh, and, and I think that's the excitement, you know, then the bat flips and then the, the players, you know, pounding their chest and, you know, all this stuff. I was watching a game, um, last weekend, Paul. And, um, it was one of those countries, I believe it was Colombia, and the guy, uh, refused basically to, to score. He could have scored from second base and he just thought, okay, I'm going to jog my way around. Then all of a sudden, by the time he uh, rounded third, they go, oh, wait, I better go back. And people are going, are, are you nuts? There were two outs. Why aren't you running? And he just had this cavalier attitude. And sure enough, he got stranded, you know, at, at third. And people were booing this guy. But again, that's the nature that you have. There's a lot of individualism, you know, with that. And we've seen, remember the Jose Bautista, uh, you know, bat flip when he's with the Toronto Blue Jays, but that is the culture. And I don't think a lot of Americans, especially people, you know, uh, in the Japanese culture, they cannot relate to that. They can't understand that. No, you're absolutely right. Now, we talked about when during the Soccer World Cup, we talked about how. The American nation are not used to supporting their country in sporting events because really it doesn't happen. They're, you know, you don't really get behind America. You wouldn't get behind an American national team in American football. You don't really have a big, you know, hockey tournament. The basketball at the Olympics in '92 was a walkover. But whereas here in, say, for Europe, we are we, we might support Manchester United or Liverpool or Tottenham in in Premier League, but we all get together to support England, and everyone gets together to support Scotland or Wales or Ireland in different sports. So, so us supporting our country, it's part of our culture. And it's the same in these other countries. So to represent Japan, so Shoei Otani has, has dominated the Japanese leagues. He's come to the major leagues in better revelation. He's going to get incredibly well paid next year when he becomes a free agent. But to go back and wear the Japanese uniform in this tournament, that means more to him than anything else. And it's something that, again, that American baseball player wouldn't know or be aware of because they're not really focused on that. You know, you mentioned Great Britain not being very good. They finished one and three in their pool play and they lost one of those yeah. games to the United States, but the score was only six to two. I mean, Paul, that's a pretty Im- impressive uh, score there. I mean, they didn't get 10 runs or nothing. I mean, this was six to two. That's, that's, that's yeah, a good it, game. It was quite amazing. Uh, and we were a couple of friends of mine who I used to play with back in the day in the British League. We were taking bets on how many runs the Americans would score. Um, and it did surprise me. They held their own. And there's a friend of mine, John Boyd, who runs British baseball. I played against him for many years. He's been a great friend for 30 years. What he's done to promote baseball and even softball here in the UK has been fantastic. And this will encourage more people to play, to find their local teams. Now, of course, we've talked about how the Internet's made the world a smaller place. I watch every Rays game. Baseball games are on British TV. They show them more people will get interested and think, I'm going to have a go at that. It's something different. I've played cricket. I've played other sports. Let's have a go at baseball. I played 14 years in the British League. I loved the game. And it was simply only because I got to the age where I couldn't really play anymore that I stopped 
and I started playing a lot more competitive golf. So it's going to promote the game. As I said, you just have to watch the fans from these other countries and how they're getting behind it. It's been a tremendous success, and, and I hope it continues again in the future. Now, if Colombia lose tonight... Great Britain will finish fourth in their group and automatically qualify for the next championship. If Colombia win, then Great Britain will have to go through the European qualifying, which is how they got through this time. So, Paul, do the do the Brits think the game of baseball is boring? Because we hear this a, a lot. You know, the, look what everything Major League Baseball has tried to do to speed up the game, the pitch clock, and that sort of thing. I'm just wondering if they fully understand it. They think it's boring in comparison to cricket, even though you know a baseball game will last three hours and cricket can last for three weeks. I, I, I don't. Where, where? How do they compare the two? Well, I mean, when I used to play baseball, we have a game here we play at school, which is like it's like a slow pitch softball. We call it rounders. And people always joke at me going, oh, baseball, that's just rounders, isn't it? And then I would throw the ball 80 mile an hour at them and then suddenly realize it wasn't. Um, and that was the speed of my fastball. 80 mile an hour <laughs> as fast as I ever got, which is why I was never going to make it as a pitcher in the major leagues. Um, I think, again, We've talked about this before, that the way American sports have come over here, because, you know, the way the NFL came in, basketball, hockey, baseball, it's almost, hang on, this is something different. Some people will look down their nose at it. Same as if you walk down the strip and you said, what about cricket? They'll just go, that's stupid. That's a British game. I don't care. Fine. That's up to you. It's your choice. But it's the fact that people will have a look at it now. It's easier to look at than it was when I first started getting involved. The first World Series I watched was the 85 series, the Royals Cardinals. I didn't see it until New Year's Day, 86, when they showed 90 minutes of highlights. That's how long I had to wait. Now you can watch the game. So it's just about bringing more people, making people aware of the game. Look how soccer has really expanded across America over the last 30, 40 years. And, and again, now the American national team successful and the players are playing in the big leagues around, around the world. The, the Tampa Bay Rays have got an Australian who's one of their top prospects. So it's starting to influx, you know, or, you know, to come back to America from all these other countries. It can only be a good thing, TC. All right, Paul Buckpower-Stewart joins us from England talking the World Baseball Classic. All right, so you got to help me out on this one. Um F1, Formula One. Yes. Everybody's Love going it. crazy here in Las Vegas because it is, you know, coming here in November, December, and yes. they're reconstructing, you know, the strip and off the strip to go through all this nonsense, right? I don't get it, Paul. I firmly don't get it. I may, I may drive around in an oval circle, you know, uh, Indy 500 back in the day. Uh, okay, fine. NASCAR. Yeah. Whatever. But this Formula One, I don't understand. It's on foreign channels, but people here are going crazy saying we can hardly wait. And it's going to bring in an influx of money, huge dollars here to Las Vegas. Obviously, this is a European thing. Explain. Explain the popularity, explain what it is. And it's funny because right when I started talking about it, seven seconds into this, or maybe four seconds into it, you go, Oh, I love this. Why do you love this? I don't get it. Explain it. 
Well, okay, it's only because I got my break as a journalist back in 1978 interviewing future world champion Nelson Piquet, who then went on to win his first world championship in Caesars Palace, Las Vegas, in the 1981 Formula One season. Now, your listeners will probably have seen the Netflix show Drive to Survive, which has been, it's just finished its fifth series, and it really is a fly-on-the-wall documentary about a Formula One season deals with some of the characters now just to explain Formula One there are 10 teams each team has two drivers and it really is dominated by one or two teams it's been Mercedes over the last few years recently Red Bull Ferrari are always there and to be honest those are the only teams who really have a chance of winning everyone else is fighting for the minor places now I'm also going to be honest I love IndyCar because more people have a chance of winning the first race in St. Pete um, 10 days ago, there were 12, 15 different drivers had a chance of winning because all the cars are equal. In Formula One, it's a little bit different, but Formula One is a global phenomenon. There's 23 races around the world this year. They've had race Grand Prix before. In, they used to have one in Long Beach. They've had races in Detroit. Um, they've, had, they've now got one in Miami. And as I said, they had race in Vegas in 81 and 82, and they're going back there at the end of this year. But I would say Drive to Survive is a really good sports documentary. It's as good as the recent PGA Tour one that's come out on, on Netflix. It's a great series, and it will be a great spectacle. And I'm sure we're going to talk more when it comes to November. So I do watch the Formula One Grand Prix, but I would prefer as a sporting spectacle to watch IndyCar because more teams have a chance of cars have a chance of winning and and the cars look cooler those indie cars look cooler especially those nascars i mean give me a break yeah i tried getting into nascar i really couldn't get nascar i do like let's say the characters the drivers in formula one are great now one of the top drivers is a british guy lewis hamilton he's really disliked over here in great britain even though he's won the world championship seven or eight times he's been a tremendous driver he's so far up his own backside with his own importance that everyone's got fed up with him they, you know, he thinks he's an expert in every subject in the world, so everyone has to stop to listen to him. So to be honest, when he got into a battle at the end of the 21 season with Red Bull's Josh Verstappen, and there was a real controversy over the fact Verstappen won the last Grand Prix and won the title, most people in Britain were pretty happy because they really wanted to see Lewis Hamilton taken down a peg or two. Okay, hold on a second. Nick, get the mic here. Okay, so my you don't know uh, my, my student producer here okay numchuck's out all right so i got my man nick nice uh we go way back you're shaking your head at me i know you're a gearhead okay you're a gearhead you're a car guy why, why are you shaking your head uh, about my 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 shots or lack of knowledge of of this stuff it was it was your nascar comment <laughs> you, you you just basically cashed in your american card <laughs> <laughs> i'm not a redneck okay you're not american <laughs> in the World Baseball Classic now. Because he's disowned NASCAR, he's going to play for GB now. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, trust me, I'm not a NASCAR fan myself, but when, when he said something about uh, Formula 1 looking better than NASCAR, I mean, come on, NASCAR is no, based off No, I didn't say of, that. I said the Indy cars. Indy cars are, are better. Cooler cars. Cooler, cooler looking. They're cooler looking. Well, that's, you, know, that's true. I mean, it, you know, teach their own life is perspective. Um, uh, Paul, what about uh, Funny Car and, and, and the big boy and, and dragsters? You, are, you, are you down with that stuff? 
No, that really... I did cover that once, a, a British event, and I was bored within the first five seconds. <laughs> is, it only lasted four Is that seconds. the one where the parachute comes out at the end? Yeah. You said you were <laughs> yeah. bored in the first five seconds. Yeah. That's funny, because they only last about five seconds. That's so it. there you go. Yeah. That's, that's, well, that, that, that's the gag I just did. So, yeah. I mean, NASCAR peaked with the Tom Cruise film, Days of Thunder. After that, it was all downhill. That's funny. There, there you go. All right, so how much time do I got to invest in a, a, a Formula One uh, race? How, how long is this going to last? The races last about an hour 30, an hour 40, so just a little bit less than an Indy car oh, race. Obviously, the Indy 500 is about two and a half hours. Yeah. But yeah, it's about an hour, half hour 40 for a Formula One race. But the variety of tracks, they go to street circuits. They, you know, they don't race on ovals. Um, Vegas is going to be a very interesting track. But it, it really is. Some of the tracks they go to, Monza in Italy, Spa-Francorchamps in Belgium, Silverstone here in Great Britain. They are real sporting icons that everyone in, in the sport knows. Are you going to come and cover the event, Paul? I mean, uh, you would have no problem getting a credential with your history. Are you going to come to Vegas? I, I don't know. We'll have to see about that. As I said, we'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, I'll be smack dab in the middle of football season. Maybe you can do like a little... Uh... A junket or a little parlay there, you know, catch a Bucks game and, and a Raider game and, and come to Vegas for the Formula One. As long as I get the chance to meet the legendary Jay Schrader, that'll be good for me. Of, of course. Of course. No question. We have a lot of legends on the show, Paul, that you wanna that you wanna meet. I mean, you, you talked about Chris Bosio, Steve Berline. I mean, we you know, we'll we'll introduce some uh, all to you. No problem. I know. I mean, it's surreal. As I say, I grew up, when I first started watching baseball, I grew up watching Steve Saxon, Chris Bozio, and now I'm on the same radio show as them. I really have come full, full circle in my journalistic career. You've come a long way, my friend. No question. All right. Let's talk about something that all of us uh, can relate to here. All right. And that is NFL free agency. All right. We talked about the Raiders yeah. situation, but the breaking news today for you, Paul Buckpower Stewart. <laughs> The Tampa Bay Buccaneers made some news. They're signing a quarterback. I'm sorry, it's not Tom Brady again. It's Baker Mayfield. One-year deal for Baker Mayfield. $8.5 million. Uh, actually, the deal is going to start at $4 million, so it's laced with some incentives here. How do you feel about Baker Mayfield coming to Tampa Bay? Okay, well, I was on air when the story broke. Um, I was on with TJ Reeves on a show, and I was just like, oh, no. Oh, my now, condolences. my whole view about the Bucks is the Bucks are in a salary cap hell situation because they went all in over the three years with Tom Brady. I have no problem with that. But the credit card bill is due, and to me, you don't kick it, keep kicking it down the can. My view for this season was take the cap hits, Take 23 as a bit of a write-off year and start again. Go with Kyle Trask, who's the former Florida Gator quarterback. He's been a backup for the last two years. Give him the reins and see what happens. And to be honest, you know, you accept the fact that you've had three fantastic years and now you have to pay the piper. And there are teams around the NFL who would bite your hand off. The Raider fans, for example, if you guaranteed them a Super Bowl and a couple of playoff appearances, they wouldn't care less if you lost for a few seasons because of that. So, to be honest, Mayfield, I have not been impressed with him on the field or off it since he came into the league. I'm not impressed with the amount they're spending. I hope it works out as a Bucks fan as well as a journalist. But to be honest, my view was go with Kyle Trask. The win lost, the over-under starts at five, and anything above five is gravy. Okay, Paul. So, listen, uh, 
Baker Mayfield is the best option that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could possibly get and have right now. I mean, Kyle Trask, marginal quarterback at Florida. Forget about it. This yes. guy's not going to be a, a quality NFL quarterback. Baker Mayfield did some very good things, and I'm going to play the excuse card for for Mayfield. I mean, first and foremost, uh, he he was fantastic in those progressive commercials. Okay, let's remember that, okay? So so it starts there. But then if we go with his his time with the Browns, okay, they were a mess. Okay, didn't have a, a very good offensive line. He had like one offensive lineman that was was okay. Didn't have a great surrounding cast. Uh defense wasn't very good and and it was it was hard. He goes to the Rams on a drop of a dime, not even knowing the offense. You remember how he did in uh in that first game? He was he was good. And it was a horrible year for the Rams and I thought that he actually made a very good account for himself. Uh, in those last few games, the short time that he was with the Rams, give this guy some weapons. I mean, I was going to say give him some coaching, but obviously the Buccaneers don't have that. Uh, but he's got to be your best option. He really is. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a great opportunity for him. I'm just kind of surprised it's only a one year deal. Um, rearrange these words, straws clutching at. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, again, you got to admit though, Baker Mayfield is still one of the top 15 quarterbacks currently in the NFL. He is. He's in the upper half. I, I, I can't go there. I can't go there. I was quite happy for them to re sign Blaine Gabbert and go Trask and Gabbert and oh, no. rebuild no. the season. That's that's my view. As I said, I had to sit through. Why don't you Tom suit up Byron Leftwich? Suit him up. He might be better. You like that? No, they fired him at the end of the season. He took the can for Brady being so bad. So for those of you who don't know, Tom Brady played scared the entire season. And all those stats about, hey, he's getting the ball out faster than everybody else. It's because he was dumping it off as quickly as he could. And the Bucks never went deep. And that's why the offense went nowhere during last season. I've got no problem. Brady's earned the right to do whatever he wants. But that's why the Bucks were terrible. It was because of him. So as I said, I'm prepared to accept a write-off season to rebuild and pay the credit card debt and see what happens from there. Uh, but as I said, you know, when you look at how the AFC, the NFC South used to be, there used to be Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. It's not exactly a murderer's row of quarterbacks down there now, TC. I agree with that. However, with that being said, <laughs> Baker Mayfield may be the best quarterback in that division. Now, I know Derek Carr is there, but again, Carr hasn't proven anything. I anticipate Carr is going to have a, a better season than he had here in Las Vegas. But it wouldn't surprise me if if Mayfield ends up with the best stats and and and, and the best quarterback in that sad division. I think the way you describe it as the Bucks needed a quarterback bad, what they got was a bad quarterback. Mm. You won't sell me on this one. I, I, I hope I'm wrong. I've been wrong on quarterbacks before. As I said, I'm the one who said on British TV, I didn't think Drew Brees would ever be successful in the NFL. <laughs> so what do I know? I don't see it happening. I hope I'm wrong. You didn't even have to bring that up, Paul, because no one would have known that here. No, So you just, you just threw that credibility right down the draino. 
No, well, they, they, I said it once, and to be honest, even to, I, I spoke to Drew a few years later, and he said, yeah, okay, at the time, you're absolutely right, and, <laughs> and they give me a hard time. They used to replay that clip every year on British TV just to make me feel bad. If you're going to make a mistake, make it a good one. Oh, that is a good one. <laughs> All right, my friend, uh, uh, great stuff. So what do you got uh, coming up between uh, now and football season? Uh, what, I know you spent a lot of time on the golf course there. Have you uh, joined the Live Tour yet? I have no time for the live tour at all. I hope it goes and dies in the corner where it belongs. But please, can I take Tyrrell Hatton with them first? Because I don't want to eat more part of him on the PGA Tour. No, I'm back. I haven't played a golf competition for 10 months because of some health issues. I'm back playing competitions again this weekend. I've got a couple of county seniors events. I'm not quite going to make it onto the PGA Tour, but if it was Scheffler at Sawglass, it's going to be Stewart down here this week. Oh, very impressive, my friend. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're feeling better. Uh, take care of yourself. Uh, we love having you on the show, and uh, especially as we approach uh, football season here. And uh, hopefully it's not going to be... Uh, you know, too long of a time for Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans like yourself and people who cover uh, the team, like you and TJ Reeves, uh, before you uh, get back to the promised land. It, it could be a long haul. I know. I'm just waiting for my invite to your match madness, Paul, seeing as I came so close to winning it last year. TJ. Wait a minute. I forgot. I I, hold on. I forgot about that. You you were in it last year. You need to be in. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I know. Hold- Hold on, if you... uh, just to say, I know nothing about college hoops at all. But if the final game had gone the other way, I would have won your pool last year. So if you're if you're prepared for more embarrassment, I'm happy to be part of it. No, I want you in, no question. But if you were in last year, you're already in the system. So make sure you check that for me and and let me know because again, the deadline for getting the picks in is tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. So check that out for me because. I wasn't aware that uh, when I was going through the the master list there, uh, unless you snuck in under like TJ Reeves' uh, name or umbrella or something of that nature. (laughs) No, I'll have to be part of it. I know nothing about it at all. I'm in TJ's pool, and to be honest, if I don't come last, it's a success. A bit, like, a bit like the Raiders in the NFL. Well, okay, we can tell you for myself and all of our guests, uh, we appreciate your donation, my friend. Thank you very much. It's been great being back on. I wish everyone in Vegas a very good day and great talking to you all again. Take care, my friend. Appreciate you. Paul Buckpower Stewart. Uh, got a great website, buckpower.com. Not only is there plenty of up-to-date news there if you're a Buccaneers fan, but plenty of nostalgia. He posts some great stuff of the creamsicle uniforms uh, back in the day as well. You could always uh, see some great stuff from him, and uh, we love having him on the show, especially uh, during the course of football season. All right, we come back. We'll continue with the football theme. Also talk a little March Madness with our quarterback, Steve Berline. Yeah, he knows a thing or two about the hoops as well, too. So uh, we'll dive into that and have a whole lot of fun here as we continue on a wild Wednesday. Turn your head and cough. Here's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Tomorrow, the madness really starts. I mean, really starts with the brackets. Get those brackets in before the uh, first tip-off a little bit after 9 a.m. tomorrow. It's time to go to work. We're going to work on the brackets. You procrastinators. I'm one of those guys. Just be a little busy. That's about it. Yes, looking forward to it. And tomorrow we'll be at the Westgate. 
the world famous Superbook, not Smoky Superbook. It's going to be a great scene there uh, tomorrow. And of course, inside the International Theater, you can get your tickets for all of that as well at Ticketmaster.com. Check all of that out uh, for the Hoop Central at the Westgate Las Vegas International Theater 4K video wall. You've got the food, the beverage, the betting stations. It's all there for you. And, uh, of course, inside the uh, sports book, too, at the largest sports book in the world at the Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas. Our good friend John Murray, the executive director, he will join us tomorrow. And uh, Jay Cornegay will be with us on Friday. So look forward to to that, of course. Uh, those guys uh, join us uh, each and every week there. And uh, now, no better time of the year than March Madness for the excitement and uh, the the plethora of of events uh, that are going on. But uh, yeah, really like that a lot. And uh, we, yeah, okay. All right, as I'm talking to myself, I'm talking to Nick. There you go. Still can't get over, you know, Nick's love for Formula One there. I don't think you like Formula One. I think I just think you like cars that go fast. That's what I think. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Who knows? All right. March Madness. Mm. What are these brackets looking like? Huh? Games tonight. The playing game. And we talked about this the last couple of days. The Nevada Wolfpack. Do they belong in the tournament? I say no. Now, even if they get a win tonight over Arizona State, people may be saying, oh, Mountain West, there you go, see? Yeah, they deserve to belong to be in. This team lost their last three games. Last two games of the regular season, they lost to UNLV, and before that, they lost to Wyoming. Then in the opening, their opening round game, of the Mountain West Conference Tournament, they lost to San Jose State. You lose three in a row, you're back your, your way into the NCAA Tournament. A team that, yes, you could make the argument, would probably be or could be in the NCAA Tournament at the midway point of the season, but they did not close the season well at all. Nothing against UNLV, because we love our Rebels, right? But you got swept by UNLV. Ended up losing those three games. To Wyoming, 80-71, 69-67 UNLV, and 81-77 to San Jose State. Yes, they played them close. And they also had some other losses you know, during the course of the season that were not so great. But they did play a decent strength of schedule. They lost to Kansas State by 9. They lost to Oregon by 13. So they played some decent teams. Outside, well, those were really the only two decent teams they played in non-conference. So they play tonight, and Arizona State is a two and a half point favorite. Arizona State basically got their way into the tournament with that buzzer beater victory three weeks ago against their arch rival Arizona. But then Arizona repaid the favor and beat them seventy-eight to fifty-nine in the opening round of the Pac-12 tournament here in Las Vegas last week. So. I could see where a lot of people would be jumping on Arizona State tonight. Uh, I'm probably not going to play the game. Oh, wait a minute. I just, I think I do got action, don't I? I got a food bet with Marco. That got brought up. That's right. Marco has Nevada. He was raving about Nevada 
And so I guess I, I do have to root for Arizona State in this game to keep my food bet uh, streak alive uh, with him. All right, so that's uh, that's the game uh, tonight. That's the battle of the 11 seeds. And we saw the uh, 11 seeds battle last night in uh, the opening round of the uh, NCAA tournament. Um, last night we had the 16 seeds, you know, go at it. Then we had the 11 seed game between Pitt and Mississippi State. Uh, Pitt won at the buzzer, 60 to 59. And that game uh, had like 21 lead changes in that. And um, Pitt was a open a two point favorite. It closed Mississippi State two and a half, and Pitt. Advances on to the next round, and they are a 60-59 winner last night. So that game, uh, nip and tuck all the way through. But, um, yeah. So look forward to the the first four games. All right. You got a battle of, of 16 seeds. We'll be in action again tonight. We saw Texas A&M Corpus Christi. They, uh, they get the victory last night. And then tonight it's uh, Fairleigh Dickinson against Texas Southern. What is it with all these Texas teams? Every year. There's one of these lower echelon teams from the state of Texas that are in the first four games. Always. Half the field, usually, of this first four seems like they're from Texas. Texas Southern going tonight. And uh, the winner of this against uh, FDU will come out of there as the 16th seed. All right? So hopefully uh, your brackets uh, are looking okay. And uh, get those brackets in. Deadline. All right. All right, well, I'm trying to effort our good friend Steve Berline, and I kind of got a feeling what's going on with him. He uh, is just coming off of a knee surgery, and I know he said he had some physical therapy today. So I'm not sure if uh, Steve is going to be able uh, to join us or not. But uh, we will keep efforting. Maybe he's taking him. a nap. I got a feeling that could happen. After uh, surgery, you know, you got a little uh, pain meds in you. I'm really surprised that he would come on. But, again, you know, he had the surgery Going back, uh, about a week now, about a week. Had it on, had it on his birthday. Actually came on the show and said that, uh, guess, guess what I'm doing for my birthday? And here, even though this isn't a terrible Tuesday, I'm going to give you this is a terrible Tuesday thought of mine. All right. Um, I really don't like it when people will send me pictures of their injuries. That's terrible. Now, I think you've done it before, Nick, too. What? Wait, what? <laughs> I, I remember you, you know, getting in some accident and you're saying, hey, look what happened to me. I did no such no. thing. Oh, that's Numbchuck, maybe. He, he's famous for that. <laughs> but seriously, how about people that post, okay, will go on Twitter or Facebook, and you've seen it, that will show them in a hospital with the breathing tube or the oxygen mask, and they look like death warmed over. Oh, they just want to let everyone know I'm okay. I'm in the hospital. Okay, if you're okay, then show me an okay picture. Okay? Don't show me the one. And I don't, I can't stand the nightgown. I don't want to see you standing up, you know, holding the, the what, what do they call the it? IV. The, the, the IV thing. Like, okay, I'm here. Or better yet, you see them laying in bed with the gown on, and it's like half off, and I'm seeing body parts I really don't need to see. And people are like, who's taking that picture? Hey, nurse, we could snap this picture. I got to make a Facebook post let everyone know that, you know, I just had surgery, but I'm okay. And then they look like they're dead, or they look like they're half dead. Uh, no makeup on for the women. Uh, the guys look like, you know, hair hasn't, hasn't bathed in, in a week, which I understand. Okay. But keep that stuff to yourself. 
I don't want to see it. I don't want to get text with it. I don't want to see it on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or any of that stuff. Why do people feel the necessity to do that? Why can't you say, hey, in the hospital, I'm asking for prayers. That's fantastic. That's great. We don't need the photog. It's the extra sympathy points. You know, you, 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 you tag it by saying, I don't need sympathy. I'm not here for, for likes or love, but you know, send some prayers out and I don't know. People, people want attention. This is, this is social media nowadays. You ever done that before? No, I, now you're jinxing me. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember the last time I was injured. Thank you <laughs> much, good. but I'm that, trying. That's good. I'm going to show you this picture that Burline sent me. Okay. And, and, and I want to see your, your first reaction. Okay. First reaction. Oh gosh. So I get this text. All right, on his birthday, last week. Hey, guess what I did today? Boom. Initial reaction. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's a football player. Yeah. At least he didn't show it while I was open. The knee's closed up. It's all stitched up. So It's after surgery, correct. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's not bad. I mean, you know. Count the stitches there. How many you got there? That looks like, God, I don't know, 40, 30? <laughs> I don't, those are staples, aren't they? You got a lot, a lot of staples in there. And, and look at this. You see the writing? You still got the writing, like, you know, with the, the nurse or the surgeon. You're like, cause they draw on you. A lot is of people that, don't realize they draw on you. Is that from his playing days? Recouping from his playing days? Yeah, I think it's that and then golf and, you know, life in general, that uh, sort of thing. Yeah. Old man, it, yeah. old man knee. Yeah. Old man knee. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Jeez. Guy's not that old. <laughs> but yeah. And, I'm and, getting there and, too. And, so. and Jay Schrader just went through this himself. I mean, hey, uh, Jay came on the show. Less than a week after his surgery during the football season. And what he had uh, double knees re- replaced. Double B, uh, our good friend of the Cosmopolitan, formerly the Cosmopolitan, I should say, double B. Um, he, he, he did the exact same thing. Same thing. All of those guys, all three of those guys. What do I get? Pictures of this. Pictures. I don't get it. Well, I would never do that. There's people say the same thing about you posting your food pictures. I know there's people that love your food pictures, but yeah. there's also people who are saying like same thing. Ah, oh, TC with his food pictures again. And then there's people like you who are like, ah, oh, this guy posting is sending me pictures of his knee wait, surgeries. Wait, wait, wait. Are you trying to tell me a picture of my filet mignon or wagyu <laughs> steak or New York or my deep dish pizza? No, I'm saying, I'm saying is, is comparable to an open wound or somebody that has comparable. has 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 staple and stitches are you what are you saying what is comparable is the fact of what people do so i do i have a little game that i play on facebook i'll scroll through your, the news feed and i'll look at the post and i don't see who posted it and then i go back and i judge who posted that and i scroll up to see the name and sure as sure sure as not is i'm right most of the time is okay this person usually posts this this person usually posts that. so that's what i'm saying like people are known for their posts yeah. you know and and you are known for your food posts some people are known for their uh, downhill Mike mountain biking post. There's one guy I see. He, like every post is his. He's got a, a a drone that follows him down the mountain. Really? Yeah. So yeah, the, different strokes, different folks. I think back by my dad. My dad actually had knee surgery back in the uh, '90s, '80s, and they actually had that on the tube. Mm. Okay. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I just <laughs> that's one of those things that just kind of. I don't know. It ir- irritates me. I, I I don't want to see injuries, or probably worse than that. The people like say that just fell off a bike or something like that, and they're showing you the the bruise or you know the the blood and that sort of thing. I don't I, I don't know, but I don't know how you can even compare my uh, my food pictures to something like that. I don't know. All right.
Let's talk to our good friend who is uh, recuperating as we speak here. I think he, he just woke up from a nap. Uh, I don't know. He's, he had someone change his dressing. Who knows what? Uh, just talking about all this. Our good friend Steve Berline, the quarterback. What's going on, my friend? Hey, hey. Uh, I don't know even what to tell you, TC. Uh, <laughs> it's hard for me to figure out what what day it is right now. You know, I, I got my knee replaced uh, eight days ago, yep. so – um, having trouble keeping up with, you know, day-to-day stuff for a while, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Well, you sound good, my friend. Are you, you're not discombobulated or anything. I mean, you know what day of the week it is and everything, right? You, you know how to find the refrigerator, yeah. right? Yeah, I always know what's going on on Thursdays. <laughs> so we're good. That's good. And happy Wild <laughs> no. Wednesday to you too. Okay, so I just got done blasting you, and and, and not, you're not the only one, but everybody else that wants to post these pictures of you know pre-surgery, post-surgery, this and that. I mean, I, I just really didn't need to see as I was sitting down to having my wagyu fillet, and it's like, hey, look what I did today, and you're showing me a picture of about forty staples. Yeah, uh, you know, I I don't know what to tell you, you know. <laughs> I, I don't remember doing it, and it's just one of those things you look back and you're like, why would I even do that? Right. I mean, that was that was literally right after I woke up from, from having my knee replaced. I appreciate you thinking of me, though. I mean, it tells me I, I was on your mind. That's great. Well, it just so happened to be the first time, or, or maybe it was the fifth time that day that you'd reached out to me, so I responded. <laughs> no. uh, so. not, not true, but that's okay. I like it. Shot, shot fired, and then I'll, t- I'll take a bullet for you, and that's what you yeah. want to go with. It's all good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. So, anyway, yeah, I, I mean, I'm like, I have no idea what, what state of mind I was in at that point, and uh, I, I don't remember doing it, so I, you know, I, I apologize. No, I'm just giving you having fun with you, man. Are you kidding? Yeah. That's, that's all. How, how you doing? I mean, is, is, you sound good. What is the recovery time for something like this? Well, it's. I think it's like uh, it's a total of they say 12 weeks or so three months for you know full clearance to kind of do whatever you want to do. Um, but you know by by um, you know I, I would say by six to eight weeks. So one and a half to two months, um, you know, it should not be noticeable to anyone that I had something done. Um, and I should be able to start, you know, um, maybe going out and hitting golf balls a little bit and pitching and chipping and putting and, you know, getting a little bit of, you know, transfer the weight on there, uh, playing golf and, and, and then pushing a little bit with the exercising and everything like that. But, uh, you know, it, it really, the first, three to four weeks of just getting rid of the swelling and just getting it back to where, um, you know, you, you can bend the knee and you can uh, support yourself and walk without, you know, um, fear of someone, if someone bumps into you, you're going to get knocked over, you know? So um, that's really, it's really just, it, it's very difficult. I, I mean, I had both of my hips replaced already too. This is a, this is a whole different animal. Knee replacement is uh, much more painful in my opinion and much more limiting in terms of, you know, what you can do the first several days afterward. And, um, you know, but, but I'm fired up. I got, got it done. We're getting through it. And, you know, I'm going to have my life back here pretty soon, which I'm really excited about. That's awesome. I mean, you and Schrader went through like the same surgery, like two months apart, less than two months apart. It's crazy. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and I was, I don't know whether he had had another knee replaced before that or not. Um, but you know, yeah, I mean, we, 
it's hard, it's funny, you know, you when I I guess I I think I posted it on uh uh no, I, I don't know what anyway, long story short, yeah. remember the punter named Jeff Eagles? Yeah. The punter yeah. for the for Giants. the Eagles. In, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. The Eagles Both. and the Giants yeah. and the Card we were teammates on the Cardinals. <clears throat> and we share the same birthday. And as a matter of fact, sort of Ricky Prohl and I and so we were all three on the same um same team with the Arizona Cardinals and celebrating our birthdays on the same day, which is kind of cool. Well, he, he Jeff Siegels reaches out to me on my birthday and uh, says, hey, happy birthday, Beeline, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I said, well, this is right as I was going to surgery. So, well, guess what I'm doing on my birthday? I'm giving myself a new knee. And uh, he gets back to me and says, no way, and, and sends me a picture of his knee. He just had his done like five days before mine. And uh, – and, he said, I just had it done five days ago. And so it, it, I can tell you that there's probably 10 or 15 of my, you know, fairly close friend teammates that, uh, that have reached out to me over the last week and said, Hey, I've been through it. You know, good luck just grinding through the first few weeks. You know, it's tough, but you'll get through it. No problem. NFL free agency underway today. Of course, uh, Aaron Rodgers finally makes the announcement. It cracks me up because again, the Packers still hold all, all the cards here, but he has agreed that, uh, you know, he wants to continue playing and he, you know, said, yeah, I'll, I'll play for the New York Jets, but the Packers are under no obligation to train to the Jets. There's no timetable here. How do you, uh, see in this thing play out? Well, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I have to be careful because, uh, as you know, I do get frustrated sometimes with the with the <laughs> antics of of Aaron Rodgers. Yes. And, um, yeah, but that's you know, okay. You, always... You're under an excuse. You're under medication right now, so we can apologize. <laughs> no worries, my friend. Yeah, I, I've always been, you know, a fan of him as a quarterback, and you know, you can't dispute his greatness from a talent perspective, and you know, as a competitor and everything else, but. Uh, it just, just baffles me why these things have to be so difficult and why he has to, you know, go on the Pat McAfee show and, you know, announce all this stuff and, and try to draw more attention to himself about it. I, I just don't quite understand it. Um, you know, no other quarterbacks do that. They, they, they just don't do it. And, um, I mean, could you ever see Tom Brady or any of Drew Brees, uh, any of the, the great, quarterbacks even from this generation the social media generation that would that would go out and, and and hold a team hostage like this um just almost just because he thinks it's fun but uh you know the bottom line we all know it's going to happen it's going to probably be the jets i don't know uh it hasn't officially taken place yet from from my perch here in in denver i haven't been watching tv so i guess you're saying i it hasn't been officially announced yet, or they haven't come to, to terms. I do know that he announced that's where he wants to go. Mm. Um, odds are, in my opinion, that, that that probably will happen. Um, and it'll be a great it'll be a great situation for the Jets, mm. and uh, they immediately become a Super Bowl contender uh, with the talent they have on that defense and the young talent offensively. Um, they can play with anybody, and if they can keep him on the field, if it if it goes through that way, I think it's a phenomenal phenomenal deal. All right, let's talk about the Raiders. They uh, get Jimmy Garoppolo, three-year deal, $67.5 million, $34 million is guaranteed. A lot of people are saying, hey, we know Garoppolo uh, is injured, but 
you know, the Raiders maybe got themselves a pretty good deal. They um, did not really overpay for a quarterback. I mean, it sounds like a lot of money, but as you know, with the quarterback, uh, you know, numbers these days, it's pretty ridiculous what these guys are making between, you know, sometimes, you know, 30, 35, 40 million a season. What are your thoughts on Garoppolo as a quarterback with this organization that you know very well, again, being reunited with Josh McDaniels? Well, I, I think there's a lot of good to it. It makes sense from a lot of different perspectives. Um, you know, one, one thing you can't take away from Jimmy Garoppolo um, is the fact that he, he he finds ways to win ball games when he's on the field. And you know, obviously, the question is, can he stay healthy and be there when you need him down the stretch? Uh, but when he's healthy, he he has an incredible uh, record of finding ways to win football games. And there's a lot of guys you can think of over over the years that maybe fit into that bill that that don't knock your socks off statistically that don't rank maybe in the uh top 10 or 15 from from any of those perspectives uh but but they just find a way to get it done you know one one guy that comes to mind for me was Jim McMahon you know uh he's a guy that just his teammates believed in him they rallied around him and he just found a way to get it done now those were some pretty good football teams too and and that's going to be the big challenge you know Jimmy Jimmy G has been very successful on two very good football teams as well, the Patriots when they were good, and uh, and then also obviously the 49ers recently. So, you know, it's going to be squarely on his shoulders. I really think, and I'd love to hear from from the Raiders as to why uh, they, they made the Darren Waller trade. Uh, that, that has me really scratching my head after just signing him. And I know he's been frustrating with injuries and kind of with attitude lately, uh, but that, that's an incredible weapon. And I think with a new contract, um, he was going to be highly motivated to go out there and, and perform. And, um, you know, I, I think you take a weapon like that away, it makes it much tougher. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Jimmy, I think, is a, is a, is a guy that, that given all the options out there, he, he, I think he was probably the best choice. And we'll see if he can continue to find ways to win ball games for the Raiders. I sure hope so. Mm. All right, brother. Well, we'll let you uh, recuperate. We can uh, hardly wait to continue to to see what else comes down here at the with the free agency. Uh, you know, today it's it's officially starting, so we'll continue to monitor that. But uh, you take care of yourself, my friend. I'm glad that you're in good spirits, and uh, I know you can hardly wait to uh, be walking around a golf course very very soon. Uh, you know, uh, without limping. So there you go. That that is the key. I'd like to be able to get myself out of a sand trap once in a while. That's a that's a visual for you, okay? Just to picture that, you know, having to having to crawl out of a sand trap with any lip whatsoever. That's what I've had to do for the last couple of years. So, All right, uh, I'm kind of tired of that. I hear you. Okay, I can hardly wait. We didn't get a chance today because we're short on time to talk March Madness. But I can hardly wait to see your your bracket sheet because I know you're watching it very carefully too, my friend. So. So fill out some brackets and let's uh, maybe talk about that next week. Hey, I might I might have a chance to do well this year because I have no clue what's going on. And so uh, it's wide maybe open, just by brother. Filling it up, I it, might do better. Yeah, it's wide yeah. open. There you go. Yeah, let the uh, tramadol or whatever drugs the eighteen drugs you're on take over. There you go. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. You might be picking a holy. You might be picking Notre Dame, even though they're not in the tournament. That's what might be happening. Well, it, 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 it's a very real possibility, and I think. Maybe I can talk my way into letting them let, letting them uh, put Mike Bray in the tournament as a going away present. Oh, that's right. How about that? As long as he gets to shave. I mean, I couldn't stand looking at this guy uh, just uh, oh, yeah, unshaven yeah. forever. I don't know. Yeah. Well, whole other story. Whole All right, brother. Story. Hey, uh, be well. Right, Appreciate the time. Take care, brother.
Okay, we'll see you. Bye. There is Steve Berline recuperating from his knee surgery. All right, appreciate Steve for joining us today, as well as Paul Buckpower Stewart from across the pond. Stitch Duran in studio today. Great stuff there. And our other quarterback, Jay Schrader. What a lineup. And it will continue on tomorrow and Friday at the Westgate. March Madness officially happening. Can hardly wait for that tomorrow at the Superbook. Have yourself a good one. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website at tcmartinshow.com. I want to thank Nick Nice, Numchuck, the rest of the crew here. And again, wherever you find your podcasts, go get it, download it, see it. But it's really easy. Just go to the website for all of your information from the past shows, the interviews, the blogs, the bracket sheet, all up there at tcmartinshow.com. Have yourself a good one. We reconvene tomorrow at 2 as the madness is on. <laughs>